My name is Simon. And I'm Jana. And we welcome you to episode three of Waking Up in South Africa, Mindfulness Informed Conversations. The series is dedicated to exploring the value and role of becoming present, of being wakeful and being mindful in a world that is turbulent and for most of us at this stage of, of history, overwhelming. We did, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, have many ideas about how the series would progress. We have decided, given the context and circumstance, to keep sensing and feeling into what is happening and what is needed and responding as um, appropriately as we can to the current unfoldings. So as we sit here this afternoon doing our recording on Zoom rather than in our pre-arranged studio, um, we are aware that our co-host Mbui is not feeling well today. He's been unwell for the last week. And although he is on, on the mend um, and is, of course, very disappointed not to be able to join us, but his wellness is a priority. And so it, it strikes both of us in our conversation in the planning that, you know, the mind goes into all manner of fantasies just hearing that employee is not feeling well, what that might mean and what the implications are, especially given uh, the prevailing um, uh, difficulty and challenge that we all have with this pandemic. And this leads beautifully into our topic for today, which is wandering mind, grounded body. And we're going to be taking a deep dive exploration, the two of us, this afternoon, into the nature of the wandering mind and what its basis is and what its neural uh, basis is, its evolutionary foundation. And using that as a touch point for reflecting together on how the wandering mind is in relation to the grounded body and the grounding body especially when there's so much fear surrounding what might happen in the body. So this is the um, topic for today, the wandering mind and the grounded body. We welcome all of you and welcome, Yana, to sharing this space together. Thank you. So let's just take a few moments, wherever you are and whatever position or posture you are, just to come into some quality of presencing to sense whatever posture you're in. You might be standing, you might be walking around, or you might be sitting. Just to feel and sense and allow a knowing and a noticing of your body in this particular posture. Just the subtle shifting of attention into body awareness, posture awareness. perhaps taking a moment to open awareness and receive some quality of the senses that you can access. Take a moment to look outside through a window. Or if you are outside, just looking around you, taking in the colors and textures, the contrasts. And just let these qualities of vision of sight just land in awareness. There's nothing to analyze about it or even name, just noticing. Mm -hmm. 
momentarily allowing the sensation of sound or the sense of sound to also fall into awareness as the soundscape moves through sounds close by or in the distance, pleasant or unpleasant. As we shift from our usual default state of mind into some sense of becoming present to our senses, coming to our senses, both literally and metaphorically. So, Yana, just uh, maybe before we move into the body of our discussion, just um, maybe offering a, a brief check-in and how are you doing today? Thank you for guiding that. Um, I can speak straight to the experience of presencing now in that uh, meditation. Um, it was just striking for me how in the first invitation when you spoke about becoming present in our seat and in our bodies, how immediately I felt to adjust my position and how far away I can be from my body in the flow of engagement and uh, moving through the day. And in that simple threshold moment of coming into my seat, so much information available. Oh, I need to adjust my spine. Oh, I need to um, sit a little straighter or move a little back. And it's just fascinating to me how much wisdom there is in my body and how present that wisdom is. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't take a long time to actually mm. connect with it. Mm. That's so interesting. So the, there's um, just the subtle shift uh, coming out of the reverie that most of us are in most of the time. Uh, we begin to access what I love, what you call the wisdom of the body, the groundedness of the body, and as we're going to explore today. There's so much wisdom that sits inside the body that we're not tapping into. So, by way of um, painting some context for today's conversation, um, I I'd like to draw on another scientific article. Um, in episode two, we, we used a bit of science to kick off, and I think it would be nice to do the same. In fact, it's the same journal that uh, I'm referring to, the journal Science. It's slightly older um, article written in 2010. Um, do you remember 2010? Yeah, another the year of the World Cup. The World Cup. <laughs> the, it's the another youthful. significant time. <laughs> yeah, another significant time. You know, the swings and the roundabouts uh, a decade later. So a decade ago, Matthew Killingsworth and, and Daniel Gilbert published a, a quite exquisite article in Science entitled, A Wandering Mind is an Unhappy Mind. A Wandering Mind is an Unhappy Mind. And they based this on the observation that, unlike other animals, human beings spend a lot of time thinking about what is not going on around them and contemplating events that happened in the past, that might happen in the future, or in fact will never, never happen at all. So uh, this 
uh, state of mind is referred to often as the default mode of the mind, the state to which the mind returns or dwells most of the time. This quality, and in science it's called stimulus-independent thought, which is just another fancy word for mind-wandering. The mind going here, there, and everywhere, but mainly there rather than here. Now, this particular capacity of the mind to think about what isn't happening has arisen as a result of the evolution of the brain and the consequent evolution of the mind to adapt to conditions uh, in which humans were not the strongest creatures on the plain or in the jungle. So one of the main advantages that uh, Homo sapiens, our species, had over all the other animals is that we had this capacity to think about what isn't happening. So we could abstract and we could plan and we could remember what was dangerous and what was helpful. So we could make weapons to kill animals to have food. We could remember where animals were and we could stalk them. We could trap them. And this was not an act of savagery. It was an act of survival. So embedded and imprinted into our brain tissue, embedded and imprinted into our psychological and mental capacities is this incredible gift and skill to be able to plan and think and abstract and imagine what isn't happening and what did happen, all in service of our survival. However, it seems that that capacity has uh, run a particular course which can take us further and further away from ourselves. This is not a discussion or an exploration that says thinking about what isn't happening is wrong or bad and absolutely necessary still. Yet if it's that's the only capacity we are drawing on from mental, emotional, relational and physical perspective, then we are missing any number of possibilities. Now this article in this journal Science, Wandering Mind is an Unhappy Mind, did a series of experiments using the iPhone and people downloaded an app and then the app would randomly activate and people would fill in a very quick questionnaire on the app about what they were thinking, how they were feeling and what they were doing. And the extraordinary conclusion that they reached is the majority of people, the majority of the time, were not thinking about what they were doing that their mind was somewhere else, and that this correlated with greater levels of unhappiness. So their conclusion, in short, is that a human mind is a wandering mind. So this is normal and natural. However, a wandering mind is an unhappy mind. And the ability to think about what is not happening is a cognitive achievement that comes at an emotional cost. This has been paralleled in our understanding of neuroscience where we've been able to identify areas of the brain that are active during this mind wandering called the default mode network particular areas in the middle of the brain and it's not the only mode fortunately but it is an important mode so we can refer to this state of brain and state of mind as the default mode the default mode network
the default position that we find ourselves in so much of the time. And the main problem with this is that most of us are not aware that this is occurring. And that reduces our flexibility and capacity to tap into other resources and capacities which are available, especially, as Diana was pointing out earlier, the wisdom of the body. So, this is a, a brief context. So, when we talk about the mind, we immediately have to talk about the body because, in fact, the brain and the mind are connected, and the brain is part of the body, and the brain is communicating with all parts of the body, and all parts of the body are communicating with the brain every moment from birth to death. So, here we are, Yana. <laughs> the mm. default mode of the mind. And I'm just wondering, too, as a way of just anchoring this a little bit in, in experience, if there's anything that like, has come up even just in the last hour or during the day where you could uh, relate in some way to an awareness of this aspect of mind, this default mode, this mind wandering, that's something that you can relate to. For sure. And I was struck when you were speaking about this uh, survival um, capacity of the mind, uh, how for humans it was what helped us to fend on the plains against wild animals and to um, prepare food for times when there wasn't any and how that survival aspect for me resonates specifically at this time um, where it feels like uh, a lot of us are in a bit of a survival mode reaction to um, life as we knew it changing very drastically. And um, I felt this tendency to go into a little bit of overdrive thinking about all the ways that I could uh, move through this time, all the creative solutions. Uh, and it feels like I'm holding this massive, I mean, I always use my internet browser as a, um, a metaphor for my, what I'm holding because the tabs at the moment are like a millimeter thick. <laughs> They're like maybe three, three windows of them. And it's, um, yeah, the brain kind of pulling me into some uh, space of potential that, that, that sometimes feels more safe than just being in the body and feeling the feelings and not having the solutions, mm. just kind of being vulnerable in the body. Mm. Um, so, yeah, if I consider the past uh, day, I've spent most of it on the computer because now all my work is moving through the screen, um, all the information, all the connection moving through the, the screen and how uh, it's, it's taking a bit of a toll even on... on my experience of being in my body. So again, when you when you led that um, that embodiment process earlier, just landing, I'm like, whoa! I've actually got quite a stiff body, and it's feeling quite foreign almost. 
And if I compare that to uh, a few weeks ago when I'm way more active, uh, moving around, and it, it, it feels like at this time of, of being in survival mode, I've almost... Uh, I've almost uh, become a bit untethered from the wisdom of my body. Um, I think I need to pause because I'm getting a bit carried away. Well, that's a really good yeah. idea. If mm. you're being paused, is this being carried away happening by being carried into thinking? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so it's <laughs> happening as we speak. <laughs> so it's so wonderful because this is so real. It's so immediate. Yeah. It's not like, oh, it's in an article and let's abstract about mm. the wandering mind. It's like just having this conversation, it starts to happen. Mm. Mm. And before you know it, there's like, oh, I'm going somewhere else. Where am I going? What are So, yeah, so you catch yourself. Mm. Or something happens, mm. you go, can I just pause? Mm. As you just said. So so mm. I invite you to pause. And for those who are listening, the pause is an invitation always. And it's not like, oh, well, the world's going to stop turning because I'm pausing. The pause is actually to step into a knowing, oh, this is what is happening. To mm. invite this momentary realization or recognition mm. that I'm kind of wondering I'm somewhere else. And, mm. and Yanda, I wonder if you could, as you say this, and I, say, and I invite this context, let's just see if you can locate some touch point within the body. Not to do anything to the mind at all, but like what, do you, what touch point can you notice in this moment, however simple, in the body? It felt, as you were speaking, like all the parts of myself which were rapidly diffusing <laughs> away from me came back and it's kind of like the exhale breath and that contraction um, into my solidity mm. and it's a feeling more than um, it, it exists underneath words it's just, mm. it's a rearrival Mm. Uh, it's very consolidating and very relieving and I could then also contrast it to the heightened anxiety that comes with expanding my thinking to beyond where I've been before <laughs> it's kind of like I, I almost imagine as I think it's like this these tendrils of ideas just reaching into space and it's mm can be very thrilling and I'm definitely addicted to it, but it's at the same time pulls me apart. Mm. And so that, um, that, that rhythm of the exhale is so important. And I, I know for myself, that's the part I often forget about. Mm. So mm. it's this opening and expanding and imagining and extending but there's like this other aspect to that, which is so important. Mm. Coming in, coming in and down. And um, again, mm. um, for those who of course don't know Yana and can't see her the way I can on zoom, <laughs> she's very good at describing what she's 
saying by using her hands as well and like <laughs> there's the up and out and away and then there's the coming in and down so you're describing mm. using words and body language as kind of coming in and down and what I'm so fascinated with, Yana, is that as you were speaking a few minutes ago and you just suddenly, oh, I'm, I, I need to take a pause. Like, mm. What happened in the moment before you said that? Like, what? Was <laughs> it's kind of like being on the edge of a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whoa, I don't know, I don't know what's going on <laughs> over there. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, I need to pull back. I need to mm. regather. Mm. But isn't it interesting yeah. that something arose which you mm. didn't try to do? It didn't require any effort. There was no planning for it. There was no volition. Mm. It just occurred where you suddenly knew or noticed or became aware that a pause was required because you're about to go over the cliff. In this case, going into a kind of reverie of thinking which actually might have taken you down a garden path and might not necessarily been relevant here. There was a something mm. occurred. Mm. This is waking up. Mm. It's a momentary uh, realigning with that which is already awake, which is already present. And and because you've been practicing, and, and this is something we encourage and in cultivating mindfulness when we we begin to learn about it, is so that spontaneously we come into knowing that I'm about to go over a cliff. It, it's not, of course, a real cliff. It might be, mm. but it's also mm. a kind of a mental cliff. Mm. And also, actually, as you're speaking now, it's, it's that I really feel that the energy of my words and my expression is so much more rich and meaningful when it is anchored in my body. Otherwise, it becomes a bit papery and can just blow around and it doesn't have that substance. Mm. So to mm. speak from a space of being in my body, there's more gravitas to the words and I feel more uh, in integrity. Mm. Is that happening right now? Yeah. Because mm. yeah. I, can, I can discern the difference, even mm. just listening to you in the kind of becoming more present to the difference between up and away and in and down. Mm. I was just wondering, as you say the word gravitas, whether that must in some way be connected with the word gravity. For sure. I always link the two. Yeah. And, and so the gravitas, the gravity is like gravity is down towards mm. the earth. It's not away. It's down mm. and in. So there's something that you're describing which I really, I can really can feel in just listening and communicating and hearing you of this up and away, which can become, it can be wonderful to go into flights of fantasy and great, great inventions have come out of that. So this is not to say this is not valuable. And at the same time, there can be an unmooring. I think you used that phrase before, like an unmooring from the self and, Certainly, being in conversation with you, there's some subtle way in which your unmooring means that we're unmoored in our mm -hmm. communication. That's what I felt. I was like, I'm also slightly going up, and then you coming mm -hmm. down and in, and it's like, oh, I can kind of coming down and mm -hmm. in as well. Mm -hmm. So this quality of being embodied is what it's often referred mm -hmm. to. Is not that I never think. 
but that the kind and quality of thinking is worth experimenting with when we are that much more embodied. And the first port of call in doing that is to recognize the nature of the wandering mind. Like w without seeing that ever, without catching that in awareness and what it looks like for you and for me and forever is interested in such thing. There is no alternative. It's just like the default. That's why it's called the default. It's like where we hang out most of the time, if not all the mm. time. Mm. So um, a teacher of mine. And most of the time, sorry to, but most of the time now because we're, that tendency of mind is being more and more stimulated by the internet of things that grabs our attention. And at a time like this, as I was saying earlier, so much is coming through. There are so many tabs to engage with. Hmm. And so it feels like if that is how we've evolved, it's almost being increased now or stimulated mm. now. Mm. So like an intensification of that. It's not like, oh, suddenly we've discovered communication on the internet. It's, it's been like this for quite some time. Lots of tabs open, digital, cyber communication, social media, uh, various platforms, deluge of information through a variety of sources is now intensified at a yeah. quantum level because of uh, the lockdown that we're in now, what, day 10 or day 11 of right now, and on which we are almost wholly dependent for livelihood, if you're fortunate enough to be able to uh, enact a livelihood online, and through human connection. Mm. So it's a strange uh, new world that we are like stepping into where we've it's in far more intense than it's ever been all this online communication online tab opening which always had the tendency to distract us even further and make us more disembodied and now we are also uh needing it even more to yeah. function i can't say normally because like nobody knows what normal is anymore we're in the space between what was normal and the yet-to-be-established new normal. We are in the space between, you know, trying mm -hmm. desperately to stay mm -hmm. afloat in a raging river. Mm -hmm. So this is very interesting here. So we, the, the wandering mind, the distracted mind, has now got more, even more energy given what is occurring. And we also need to really respect and be deeply grateful. I certainly feel deeply grateful that, you know, I can sit where I am and you can sit where you are and we can have this really substantial connection. Yeah. Through the digital yeah. medium, through the cyber, cyber world. And I wonder, you know, yeah. even as you sit and listen, as I've been sitting and listening, as you speak, what role, what value does the body play? You're saying there's mm. a gravitas and as mm. such a gravity, yeah? Mm. I was actually now feeling the image of a um, sinker on a, on a fishing line, mm. which helps to take it down. And it's like the body can be that as well. Mm. So that as much as the mind is being pulled into every possibility, almost sublimating 
from a solid into something way less solid in the internet, which collapses distance and makes connection possible that isn't ordinarily in the 3D world. You know, being able to connect virtually like this. Uh, and then the body is almost like if we, if we cultivate the connection to it and remember that it's here, could potentially serve a purpose in holding some of us steady. Mm-hmm. And that the reaching of the mind is tethered. Mm-hmm. And for me, it really does make me th- so thankful for uh, my yoga practice because mm-hmm. in in yoga, that's really what I'm practicing: mm-hmm. how to almost imprint that pathway or deepen that pathway, that connection back into the body mm-hmm. to really establish that relationship between the inhale and the exhale the Mm. more i inhale the more i exhale Mm. the more i root down through my feet the higher i can stretch up Mm. Mm. that's a wonderful image Uh, it's not only an image of course if you do some Mm. stretching that you know the Mm. groundedness allows for more expansion Mm. but the subtle felt sense of expansion is quite different when we are more embodied Mm. it's interesting in, in in many of the wisdom teachings especially the wisdom teachings out of which mindfulness uh, arose uh, focuses to a large degree initially on body awareness Um, there are actually four levels what are called foundations for practicing and cultivating present moment awareness or mindfulness and the first foundation is mindfulness of the body mindfulness of the posture of the sensations in the body, of the breath, of the body moving, of the body lying still. It's interesting. It's not the second or the third floor of the building. It's the, it's the foundation. Mm-hmm. It is not a negation of the mind or our feelings or of relationships, but it's a kind of pointer, an orientator, that the gravitas and the gravity and the of embodiment of being in our bodies, of being in and down in the body, actually is a perfect uh, ground in which to mm, center ourselves Mm. and move in the world, whether that world is a fantasy world, a world of imagination and thinking, Mm. a world of action and a world of relating. Mm. And and it's very interesting too, if I can just add one more piece to that, that if you look at all the – Lots of neuroscientific studies on mindfulness practice, um, whether it's individual practices or uh, people doing eight-week courses or retreats or whatever the form, there's a lot of different changes that have been identified in the brain. But the commonest, uh, most recurring change on functional MRI, which is the gold standard imaging uh, interventional Uh, investigation, should I say, not intervention, investigation that is used for looking at the brain is that is known as the right anterior insular activation, which is, um, again, neuroscience speak, which for most people is a great mystery that will never be understood. 
other than by neuroscientists themselves. The insula is an area of the brain just behind the front of the front of the brain, and the insula connects the front of the front of the brain through the mammalian brain into the body, and the body communicates through various pathways through the insula back into the front of the front of the brain. In other words, put succinctly, is the most recurring change for people who are more mindful and who are practicing mindfulness is the link between higher cognitive function and the body, which would make perfect sense given that the first foundation of mindfulness is mindfulness of the body. Mm -hmm. And so there's a kind of coming to ground in the body, which is demonstratively, as you've beautifully described in your experience, so useful for being able to expand further Mm. outward into Mm. the world. Mm. So here's a thing, Yana, here's a question, which you raised Mm. earlier before we we started recording, which, okay, so let's say that this is so, and we can cultivate this embodiment and it can help us be more engaged with ourselves, our mental process, and be in relationship. We are living in a time of a pandemic and in which people are getting sick and many are dying. And we are all uh, at some level at risk for that self-same process. So we come into the body or we have body awareness, but in the body is the occurring the very thing we're potentially terrified of. And I'll speak for myself mm. that there is fear, which is not there all the time, but definitely comes up in moments or in periods, uh, quiet moments in the middle of the night of, of, of fear that I might mm. get ill, very ill, mm. and even die. Mm. And so I'm wondering, you know, how do, we, how do we work with this through the lens of waking up, through the lens of presencing, mm. through the lens of being mindful and curious and compassionate? Mm. to the vulnerability of the physical body, Mm. which is not unique to this time. Of course, you know, this has always been so, but is especially Mm. so and mm, staring us in the face, so to speak, Mm. almost impossible to escape it unless we are in profound denial about what's happening. And even then we won't fully escape it. It's too potent and too powerful. How do we work with this vulnerability of the physical body, I wonder? I feel that it's a direct challenge to the paradigm that we have all been operating in, which promotes a sort of life-at-all-costs mentality which promotes productivity and expansion and building and growing and uh, being stronger and being more busy and having more capacity. And it's like we've all been spun into this particular story where vulnerability doesn't have a place. And... For me, it's just so interesting how as this pandemic moves through, it's like chopping the, the structures, the prevailing structures, whether it's ideology or 
the economy or actual cities or people. It's like we're all being brought down to our knees and to the, the humility of the body, to this vehicle that carries us through and which is touched by the world and which is transient. And, and we're being brought closer to the ground, to the earth, to the very foundation. You speak about the body being the foundation in mindfulness and it feels like in answer to your question, how can we deal with this, uh, this challenge of the body as vulnerable? Maybe it's about changing our relationship to vulnerability and our relationship to the down and in movement and our relationship to the surrendering and the stopping and the crumbling and the dying. And in that feeling or, or, or trusting that something else is having a chance to be formed. Not to rush that process, not to even then just jump to right out again, but to really honor this time. To really be brought down to our knees and re-look at the very foundations that everything is built on because it feels like this great collapse was bound to happen in some way or another for the very fact that it, we've been on such skew foundations <laughs> you know the capitalist system the neoliberal system the patriarchal system have not been founded on integrous ground woven into them is exploitation and i just feel that this way of looking at it where and it's just my view helps me to accept what's going on right now because it feels like it's the only way forward yeah it's it's inviting as you say a new looking or a new way of seeing or a new way of being in relationship or a recognition a recognition mm -hmm. of our relationship with the body and of course the body is our the body the one that is i'm inhabiting um you know i'm um I'm inhabiting this body and, and kind of carried around and it's me and mm. whatever my relationship is with it as you are. And then of course there's the kind of body politic. Mm. Like it's our communities are also a body. You know, we refer to business, large businesses as corporations, you know, it comes from the root word corpus, which means body. Mm. So we have all these different bodies and they come in different forms. And now we, not only are coming, having to recognize our tendency to be disembodied by being lost in the fantasies based on our default patterns and also to get in contact with our vulnerabilities or the vulnerability of the body, which, as you say, if we look at it from a slightly different angle, we re-look at it, 
there's something quite exquisite for me that starts to arise as you say that. But also, I must say, with a little bit of fear, is mm. that um, this body is transient and always was. Mm. The nature of the physical body is to arise when we're born and to mm. dissipate when we die. Mm. And it's such an exquisite vehicle for us to live our lives in. You know, just, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm noticing in these small moments during my day that I just that much more appreciative of micro experiences, a fresh tomato that's juicy in my mouth feels delicious. And it's something I might not even have noticed that the body allows me to have that experience. So it's not only that it's vulnerable, but as you say, that it's transient, it's, uh, it comes into being and passes away like everything. And in that recognition, it's also woven into what this time is calling for, that we all acknowledge, yes, our transience, our vulnerability, but also our capacity to take care of our bodies. I feel like there's this tendency to almost hemorrhage our care out to mm. things that are distant and as we're all isolating and being more um, with ourselves at the moment it's like we are being asked to do what we can here in this body mm. and to almost remember the agency that we have or recognize the agency that we have in living through our bodies and not as separate from or untethered from. Does mm. that make sense? It certainly does. Uh, I, I really uh, I res resonate very strongly. So, you know, it could be very easy for the mind to start thinking and judging, oh, the body's vulnerable and temporary. Well, let me just plow it with as many toxins as possible just to numb myself or to get away from it or to or like what's the point anyway so it is a choice that starts to arise the more in contact with the art with the body the more in touch we get with the felt experience the lived experience and the the vulnerability with a capital v because it's it's vulnerable and robust at the same time the body mm. it can mm. do a lot for sure. Yeah, and just watch a, watch, a, watch an amazing sportsman or sportswoman mm -hmm. do their mm -hmm. thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's extraordinary. Watch a ballet mm -hmm. dancer leap across the mm -hmm. stage. Um, it's, uh, watch a, a, a child riding a bicycle for the first time. Mm -hmm. and, and we start to see the magnificence of the human body. And then we introduce the possibility of caring for this vehicle that moves mm -hmm. us through life mm -hmm. and that as we started our our episode today you know no body no contact with our senses no awareness no connection with that those sense doors mm -hmm. our awareness which and our allow, body and our senses yeah which allow life to enter into our consciousness mm -hmm. you know I, I think of the of the senses as the the windows <laughs> that kind of bring life into my 
experience mm -hmm. and make my life richer mm. and brighter, mm. more flavorful. Yeah, so whether we, whether we uh, take care of the body or not, whether we like the body, although most of us have got a lot to say and think about the body, our body or other people's bodies, what we're talking about here is not the concept or idea of the body. Mm. It's the lived reality and actuality of this body and mind which I inhabit moment to moment. Mm. Mm. And the quality of care that you're referring to is the other very important element of mindfulness. It's not just about being coming present or simply attending, but with a quality of care. And it's not a fluffy care. It's a deep abiding appreciation and kindness for something precious. Mm. And so maybe in this time and, and as I feel into this for myself, you know, I fear that something will happen to my body. In other words, it will get sick or something will happen to the body of somebody I love and they will get sick or die. And there are many people who are, have died through this epidemic and are dying or are very sick. So if we have, I wonder here's a question, and this is an open-ended question. If I have a connection and relationship with the body, my body, and I care about my body, and you care about your body, then the likelihood is that I will care about those bodies who are ill and who are dying or who have died or who recover. And it brings me into a, kind of shared sense of embodiment that my embodiment and your embodiment and the embodiment of the whole are not ultimately separate. Mm. It's we are bound together in a body of care. Mm. And it in, is a, it's a, it's a challenge, but it's an beautiful challenge of mm. mindfulness, especially the first foundation of mindfulness to honor the body not by going down on bended knees and burning incense and making some ideology out of that, but through simply paying a deepening quality of attention to what is occurring into and through the body, whether it's through the sense doors, through sensation, through breathing, through moving. Mm. So I think for myself, being in the body has sometimes represented being catchable or, or being uh, vulnerable to being hurt or being intruded upon. It's kind of felt like a, an unsafe space. And so I've jumped up into the invincibility of thinking, which is, a flash, quick, um, slippery space that cannot be grasped. It's kind of like mercurial. And so I think that's often been how I've understood my tendency to disassociate and to, and to go into the, the reverie, as you were saying earlier. But as you're speaking now, I was just having this other image of what about if the body becomes a, an, a place, a receptacle, or the parts of myself that are tender and, and, and it, rather than being 
um, an unsafe place? Could it be a place that actually holds me and supports me and connects me and reduces some of the load by virtue of its capacity to hold? And when you talked about um, how when we're in touch with caring for ourselves, we become in touch with the collective and caring for others, I was just feeling into my heart and how being in my body becomes easier when I am in touch with my heart as a space that breathes and expands and is able to hold the the depths of feeling that are present in the body. Mm-hmm. But that the body moves and breathes and stretches and expresses and releases and digests. It's not this place that one needs to be trapped in. Mm-hmm. And so I think you were talking before we began about the language that we use and the ways that we see and, and that yeah, I'm just feeling the potential to rephrase some of the language and, and ways in which I inhabit my body. Mm. Yeah. And it's something we, we will touch on on a future episode, um, which is some of the obstacles to being in the body, to inhabiting the body, the most significant of which is trauma. Yeah. And and so this is not to say, well, it's just easy, just inhabit your body and enjoy the senses and you know, you know, it's it's it is simple, but it isn't easy. And and we all carry varying degrees of trauma and the body keeps the score of that trauma and can be one of the most important uh, obstacles to embodiment. So we will take a, a really deep and considered dive and look at that particular subject and it's it's even more relevant now because there's collective traumatization that is happening because of the epidemic but that's not for this episode this feels like a good entree point into being able to look at some of those elements of traumatization and disembodiment or dissociation as you say but as we start to come to the end of our time together, Yana, that we've opened up some beautiful windows, but it feels like the windows on the uh, all the tabs have increasingly dropped down as we've been speaking. And it's just a sense that I have as I sit here. I've, my mind's quiet and, and my heart feels open and uh, actually deeply in appreciation of, of you as I sit here. And so I wonder if you could offer us just a minute or two of of an embodying practice which involves movement without anybody having to go outside and roll out a yoga mat. Mm-hmm. Just, a, just a very brief uh, touching in through moving mm-hmm. with an immediate present-centered sense of being in contact with our bodily experience. Okay, so I'd like to invite you, wherever you are, to just bring your awareness into your body as it is. And just feel how you might begin to make yourself a bit more comfortable. 
And just noticing if there are any obvious places of tension, places of compression, and making any movement or adjustment so that you feel more at ease. And then you can slowly begin to notice the position of your head and notice if you might be able to draw it slightly back in space. It might barely be visible to anyone outside you, but just feel that in this movement there's a kind of drawing back of that reaching mind into the back of the skull. And then feel that you can begin to release the shoulders away from the ears. And maybe with some slight moving of the spine, finding yourself balanced with a tall posture and an open chest. And then begin to feel the breath moving into the body and feel it exiting. And slowly try and even out the breathing so that the inhale and the exhale are roughly the same length. And then wait for your next exhalation to slowly move your chin towards your throat so that you're bringing a very gentle stretch to the back of the neck, opening up some space underneath the ridge of the skull. And with that same even breath, just feeling that area opening, imagining all the neural threading running from the brain down to the spine, having some breathing room, some space, And then on your next inhalation, you can slowly trace your right collarbone with your chin so that you can bring your right ear towards your right shoulder. And then just take a few rounds of breath, opening up your left collarbone, re-relaxing your shoulders away from the ear and softening the face completely. And then you can, in your own time, begin to explore some tilting of the face either towards the ceiling or the ground, maybe moving between the two. So it's just a drifting kind of movement as you feel what's going on around the left side of the neck. Bringing this careful attention to the movement so that it feels good and nourishing. And then you can slowly release your right ear to the right shoulder and draw the chin back into the center of the throat.
using your next inhalation to move your chin across the left collarbone and your left ear towards the left shoulder. Open up the right collarbone, soften your shoulders. You might feel the spine growing tall again as you just begin to explore this movement of the face up towards the ceiling, stretching underneath the jawline. Very relaxed breath. Face can then move down towards the ground. And just continuing for a few moments here to explore sensation. To enter into this conversation that exists beneath words. And you can draw your left ear to the left shoulder and slowly slide the chin back into the throat. And then you can just bring your head upright, bring your shoulders up to your ears and exhale them back and down. And just do that two more times to bring yourself back into the space. You're welcome to open your eyes when you're ready. And just really releasing that movement and just noticing the quality of your presence arriving back into the space. Thank you. It felt good. <laughs> mm. So it's been wonderful being in conversation with you this afternoon and we look forward to inviting all of you to join us for our ongoing adventure, our steep learning trajectory and exploration of what it means to be awake in the world moment by moment with this increasing curiosity and, and kindness that can be brought to bear on our momentary experience. Please subscribe to our podcasts on whichever platform you prefer and share it with friends or colleagues or family members who you think might find it of value and we will continue to sense and respond to the unfolding of this extraordinary time in, in all of our lives. For feedback, please feel free to contact the Institute for Mindfulness via our website contact page www.mindfulness.org.za Until we meet again, be well, take care, and remember to care for your body. Thank you.